Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Hello and welcome to Market View. And we have on the line with us today Mr. Sunny Hamid, Director for Wealth Management of Financial, Financial Alliance. Okay, hello, Sunny. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Oh, okay. You're still feeling a bit moody about the markets today, are you? It's <laughs> <laughs> just a tad down, half a percent. Okay, tell us why, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's still very choppy. Um, we've seen weeks of, of declines. And I think over the past seven trading sessions, if I'm not wrong, we've seen this rebound. Um, so it's still it's still playing on, on, on investors' spine whether this is a U-turn, uh, whether we've seen the worst or is this a bear trap or bear rally that, that, that some people deem it to be. Therefore, the downtrend is still the main primary trend. So we're still in that mo- m- uh, mood or mode mm. where people are still trying to second guess what's the next move. Oh, okay. But then we have, I think, for several days at least, you know, last week and or the last month, right, when we've seen certain markets bounce, uh, including Singapore as well. Right, uh, especially mm-hmm. I think where we saw Shanghai easing its strict virus mm-hmm. restrictions. So, doesn't that give you some amount of uh, you know optimism to help float your your sentiment a bit yeah, about the long term? Yes, and I think I think that's that's true. And 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 sometimes we can see very localized rallies. Like for example, China has been doing quite well, and as you correctly mentioned, Singapore because of the opening and such. But I think the bigger picture, if you take a couple of steps back, uh, still tells you a story whereby inflation remains pretty sticky globally. Um, the Federal Reserve is continuing with its tight monetary policy, both in terms of raising rates and we've just seen uh, yesterday, in fact, um, they started what we call quantitative tightening. Um, so from a structural perspective, there are these issues which I think is are uh, overarching uh, comp- uh, versus what the positive side of it is, which you mentioned correctly, mm. the, the reopening of the economies. Mm. Okay. All right. But let's, let's maybe for now switch gears uh, over to the U.S. The Fed mm-hmm. um, has begun you know, draining $3.3 trillion mm-hmm. of bank reserves from its nearly nine trillion dollar balance sheet right to put all the mm-hmm. money into motion uh, they, I think they're calling it what quanti- quantitative tightening, tightening so, yes see I can't even <laughs> say it properly <laughs> right okay so tell us okay help us understand what exactly this is and right. um, why it matters but quantitative tightening is opposed to quantitative easing which was what we've seen or what we have we had been seeing over the past 10 years since the crisis of 0809 um, quantitative easing uh, to start off with was the so-called, for the lack of a better word, or to make it easy for for everybody to understand, the printing of money, the addition um, of money into a, into 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 an economy or financial system. Um, so that actually injected liquidity into the system, and 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 a lot. Um, you know, right prior to the crisis, there was roughly about a, tri- a trillion dollars worth of uh, assets on the uh, Fed- Federal Reserve balance sheet. As, and as you mentioned earlier, it went up all the way to $9 trillion. So mm. we had really a, a very huge amount of liquidity going to the system to support the econ- U.S. economy, to support the U.S. financial markets and such. Right now, because as we know, basic economy, economics tells us that too much money chasing too few goods causes inflation. Mm. So the Fed is in its interest now trying to reverse that in order not to fuel inflation, not to allow the liquidity to fuel inflation. So we have what the total opposite, which is quantitative tightening, i.e. withdrawal of liquidity from the system. 
Mm. So in part, that's that's the Federal Reserve's uh, reaction to what we call uh, uh, combating inflation at this particular point. Mm. So I'm curious. Uh, okay, when we talk about uh, you mentioned just about a printing of money, right? So just mm-hmm. actually printing of physical money and putting it into the system. So when we they, when they do this, mm-hmm. uh, can we assume that what they're doing is actually getting the physical money out of the system as well, and then also mm-hmm. I don't know shredding it? Mm, yeah. So yeah, I know. Whenever we hear of, of of the word printing of money, I think the the the, the that picture of uh, um, um, the mon- the sheets of money coming out from like the photocopy yes, machine. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, the 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 actual way of doing it nowadays is basically it's very electronic. It's very uh, 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 what they do is basically the Federal Reserve goes out into the open markets, uh, buys bonds. Okay, so let's say for example you're holding on to a particular treasury or a mortgage-backed security, it's a bond. Okay, I'm the Federal Reserve. So if I buy that bond from you, I'm going to give you money. So automatically what happens is I inject liquidity by buying the bond from you because now all of a sudden you've, you're holding on to, to, to dollar notes because I've just taken the bond off your hands. So that's really how the Federal Reserve injects money and the opposite way of doing it is basically to allow those bonds to mature and that causes a reverse in the so-called flow of money. Money comes back into the Federal Reserve uh, and therefore, it's taken out of the system. A bit technical, but that's really how it works. Mm. You know how I know that you're passionate about your job and what you do? <laughs> your voice actually perked up so much when you were explaining that to us. Okay. okay. All right. Then, okay, let's, let's continue on. Let's uh, continue looking at the US market, right? The labor uh, mm. market there. Um, could it be the economy's saving grace as the Fed uh, moves to, to raise interest rates to try and, and you know, curb inflation there? The, 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 the catch-22 thing is this. It's the Federal Reserve has has very few um, 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 instruments on its on its plate uh, to order, in order to fight inflation. Um, it's limited to monetary policy tools, which include raising interest rates and withdrawing liquidity. Both of these have consequences of what we call collateral damage, and the collateral damage is the economy was slow mm. uh, because when you withdraw liquidity from the system, economy activity actually goes down a notch or two. Um, and the amount that they're going to withdraw is a lot. So what we're going to probably see is probably see the U.S. economy slowing. And if that happens, it's quite likely that job job, uh, job openings or, or employment rate will start to decline. Unemployment rate may even go up if the economy drops a lot. Mm, okay. Now, um, now let's look at even, even, even bigger picture as well. Mm. Well, not actually even bigger. We're looking at OPEC oil. You know, it does mm-hmm. make the world go round, right? Smoothens the, the whole, <laughs> you know, churning. Um, okay, OPEC Plus will re- reportedly stick to the oil rise plan uh, mm. despite EU sanctions against Russia. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think um, sooner or later, first of all, oil itself is one of the, uh, I won't say rare commodities, but one of those commodities whereby if you look at the long-term chart, you'll find that it's very seldom remain above 100 for a very extended period of time. And that's, 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 that's a reason behind it. And that's because whenever it crosses the 100 level, 110, and tries to stay above that, um, supply comes into the picture. Um, OPEC, whether it's OPEC or OPEC Plus, uh, the so-called importers of, of crude oil, US, Europe, and the rest of the world will start to jawbone and behind the scenes try and push them to release reserves because it's not it's going to hurt the economies and mm. so on and so forth. So, so that that situation I think still remains. Uh, I won't be surprised if oil prices remain high for quite some time, but sooner. Or, but I, I doubt it will go further up than this because it's really not in anybody's interest uh, for it to go much higher. Albeit, having said that, um, OPEC Plus and probably even OPEC may want to try and keep it as long as possible because it's mm. revenue to them. 
I mean, mm. they spend a lot during during fiscal deficits, during COVID and such. So the longer that oil prices remain high, um, the more that you can cover their deficits. Yeah, exactly. So they have, I suppose, little interest or, you know, less interest, right, to, to do anything about the price. Um, yes, yes, to a certain extent. But of course, I think it's no, it's in no one's interest if prices go like 150 or even 200. Mm, yeah. mm, okay. And I, okay, the way you described it earlier, you were talking about describing the market, Singapore market, you know, uh, as well as mm-hmm. regional markets as choppy. So, yeah. you know, I know I probably asked you this before, maybe was it last week or the week before, right? But mm-hmm. I'd like to hear again uh, from you, uh, you know, in light of the current uh, market environment, right, which mm-hmm. sectors, uh, you know, which types of investment would you uh, perhaps uh-huh. be more in favor of or would you, you know, actually even do for yourself? Uh, uh-huh. and, and I think including also perhaps even commodities. Mm. All right. So first, uh, the user disclaimer, not financial advice. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, so it really depends on, on one's view of, of the markets. If you have kind of like of my kind of view, which is basically I think the economy is going to slow. I don't think the markets have reversed enough. Uh, because if you look at it, 10 years of quantitative easing, 10 years of almost zero interest rate policy, that's being reversed. So that's very structural in nature. When, so the markets so far have fallen about 20%. I don't think that that, that 10 years of increase, and, and in that 10 years, mind you, uh, uh, indices like the S&P had, had gone up by five, 600%. So 15 to 20% decline given a 500% increase, I think that's not enough because it's a structural change. So I think that the markets may come off a bit more. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that in view of that, probably things uh, defensive, i.e. Uh, into some bonds, um, if the economy slows down, the Federal Reserve may have to, to, to roll back some of the aggressiveness. That's going to be mm. good for bonds. Some gold, uh, some commodities. And when I say commodities, it's more for soft commodities because I think uh, wheat, grains and such, I think those are more sticky. Those are inelastic demand right. consumers need to eat. Right, uh, right. Whereas hard commodities will decline because they are used for manufacturing. So when the global economy slows, there's going to be less demand for hard commodities. Mm. There's also um, another area that I, I, I forgot to ask you about currency, mm-hmm. right? Would mm-hmm. you recommend, um, or what, what's your view? Sorry, I shouldn't get you to recommend. Mm-hmm. What's your view, <laughs> right, on currency investments? Some people are feeling that yeah. if a certain currency is, you know, low and they think it will climb, you know, they'll yeah. actually, vis-a-vis the sing dollar, of course, uh, they'll, yeah. they'll buy it up. It, it's going to be quite difficult to forecast currencies unless you're talking about certain currencies like the same dollar. I'll give mm-hmm. you an example because in the U.S. itself, the huge interest rate differential, i.e. the Fed is super aggressive, so therefore its, it's interest rates in the U.S. are much higher than the rest of the world. That benefits the U.S. But if we get a recession, they start rolling back interest rates. If we see money flowing out from the U.S. because the stock markets there are falling, then the dollar will weaken. Uh, so sometimes it's going to be a bit difficult. But when you talk about, say, for example, the Sing dollar itself, uh, because the monetary authority here pursues what we call uh, a currency, uh, uses its currency as a monetary tool, what we can kind of safely say is as long as inflation remains high, um, we should be seeing the Sing dollar continuing on what we call an appreciation path. Mm. So what you see is going to be a bit challenging for the local Singapore investor because he's going to have to deal with a strengthening local currency. Mm. So if, if, let's say, for example, the Sing dollar strengthens by 4%, if he goes out somewhere else to invest, um, he's going to be hit by a currency loss because mm. the Sing dollar is stronger than mm. the, the so-called currency offshore. Mm. Uh, so that he has to take that into consideration uh, when he invests. Mm. 
Certainly food for thought there. See, I'm, now, now I'm moody like you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Sadi, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, no, no, at all. Always a pleasure to have you share uh, your insights so candidly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. We've been speaking with Sunny Hamid, Director for Wealth Management for Natural Alliance on Market View. Do stay with us right here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.